Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Elizabeth Vandemir from the extraordinary blog of Russian Affair has once again joined me from Finland, the far distance of 7,514 kilometers from Vancouver. Finland and Vancouver have come together again. Elizabeth recently issued the Eugene Onegin Challenge, which is happening on her blog as we speak. I have taken up the challenge and am reading Alexander Pushkin's masterpiece, Eugene Onegin, which he wrote over the course of eight years. Elizabeth has introduced me to the characters Onegin, Lenski, Tatiana, Olga, and yes, Pushkin. The adventure is underway. So put the kettle on and add to this exciting conversation. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I am looking forward to sharing this moment with you. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello, Rebecca. How are you doing over there? It's sunshine in Vancouver. How's it over there? It's also sunny here today. It's the end of the evening here, starting to get a little bit darker. But the days are getting much longer now, which is very nice. Well, Finland has long summer nights. Very long summer nights, yes. In your recent blog post, I loved what you said. With this challenge, I hope to add something extra to your reading experience that will make it more interesting, intense, attentive, and even more enjoyable. I will be eating, dreaming, thinking, hearing Eugene Oyegan for the next four months, and I can't wait to find out what the end result will be. Do you remember saying that? I remember it very well. And it's true. I'm eating, sleeping, dreaming. <laughs> Eugene Onegin. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think is, how, what, what angles should I take now? What shall I write about? Well, your enthusiasm is contagious. It really is. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Well, I have enjoyed the voice. That ability to bring it into a poetry is phenomenal. You mentioned a person who translated it. How many translations have you actually read? Oh, I have read two Dutch translations, and in English I have read three, so in total five. And I've read some of the original, So, but that's not the translation, of course. So how does that happen? Translation from Russian to Dutch to English? You've read it in three languages. Yes, that's true, yeah. But I have to say, I was a little disappointed with the Dutch translations. But the latest translation from James E. Fallon that we are using for the blog now, it's just perfect. It hits the perfect note and it resonates very well with the original text. You really get the feeling of how Pushkin sounded in the original. Well, there is a very interesting part that I wanted to read to you. And what you think of this. We still, alas, cannot forestall it, this dreadful ailment, heavy toll. The spleen is what the English call it. We call it simply Russian soul. Do you think that Pushkin brought out that Russian soul? Yes, he did that very well. I think so. There are two thoughts of school about this, but I think that Pushkin did very well in this respect. It is a very Russian novel, and in another way, it also isn't. It is, of course, also a little bit in that era when he wrote it in the early 19th century. There were other writers also writing about this type of person who was a bit bored with life. Byron, for instance, with his Don Juan. But Pushkin gave it a real Russian twist. 
if you read it without knowing in which country it's taking place, you can easily see that it's Russia. There's a lot of passion in every line. Yeah, <laughs> there is, yes. Bushkin was a very passionate person, he was very um, emotional, and he wrote about everything that he felt. It was really, the pen was his way of expressing himself. Well, he certainly expressed himself very well. He did, yes. Luckily for us, he did. What's interesting is that Pushkin places himself in the narrative. How is that possible? That has to do with the way he wrote the, it's like a narrative poem. And I think that that gave him the opportunity to make himself another person into the story. And he pretends that he is friends with uh, Anyagin. It's a lot Pushkin himself, but he's also a little fictional character. It's not completely Pushkin, but he uses it very cleverly to make the story seem more real and kind of make the lines between reality and fiction more vague. There's a lot of things that are real in the novel, like real people and real restaurants and real wines. And then there's a lot of fictional stuff going on there making it a real interesting mix and very difficult for the reader to discern what was now real and what was fake. One of the things that came out very clearly was their belief in ghosts, in spiritual entities, in believing that there is a way to do a future. You mentioned it. It was called, I, I can't pronounce it. It's the Sviatki. It takes place during Christmas. Christmas is celebrated in Russia in the beginning of January. They are a little bit behind us in the calendar. Between the birth of Christ and the baptism of Christ, that's what they call the Sviatki. And that's from the 6th of January until the 19th of January. And during that time, they believe that the rules of, of God are not so strict. So at that period, they can kind of let in some older beliefs. It goes back to pagan times, of course. So they have all these games that they play during that period, not just about future predictions. There's also a lot of games that they play. They also sing carols and they eat nice food, of course. It sounds like a fun time. It's a big celebration. Yeah, from pagan times, of course, the days were starting to get longer again. And it was a celebration of renewal. Most definitely, yes. And they were trying to find out what was going to happen in this new year. Are they going to get a good harvest? Unmarried girls going to get a husband, <laughs> things like that. Getting a husband, this was very important. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was very important, of course, yes. <laughs> One of the characters is Tatiana. Could you explain who she was and why this was important to her at the time and she had a dream? Tatiana was a 17-year-old girl in the novel, living with her sister and her mother in the country house where, from her family, from an old Moscow family, but she has lived in the countryside all her life. And they get a new neighbor one day, and the neighbor is Anyagin, and he comes from St. Petersburg, from the big city. And he is a bit of a mystery. He doesn't uh, mix in very well with the neighbors. He is a bit of a reclusive. And as you can imagine, maybe in the countryside, they all drop in on each other and everybody knows all the latest gossip <laughs> and all the old gossip. <laughs> and so he is a mystery. And uh, that appeals to her a lot. She, she feels a bit like she doesn't completely fit in with the rest of her surroundings. And she thinks that maybe Anyagin will understand her more than maybe her sister or her mother. Well, the way that Pushkin describes Onyegin, he's quite handsome. Yes, he is a very handsome guy. He is 
He takes a lot of pride in his appearance. It takes him hours to get ready in the morning. <laughs> Two hours to just look at himself. In the morning, it's, he gets up in the afternoon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's quite a character. So what is the significance of Tatiana's dream and what was it all about? Tatiana's dream is mostly significant because of the way that Pushkin uses it. It's almost like in another universe, the universe of her dream. It's another world. And this dreamlike state where he can live out his, his fantasies about what happens. It's a very symbolic dream, of course. Well, it seems like it comes deep from her, yeah. her thought, that subconscious thought that comes through. Yeah. She goes to bed at, in the evening on purpose. As she wants to dream. This is during the Sviatkis. One of the ways to, to see what your future will be can be to have a dream that will future. So she sets the intention in the, at night before she goes to bed, puts all the things in place, making it possible. She has a silken sash around her nightgown, which is supposed to protect her from the dark forces. But now she needs the dark forces. They are going to help her predict the future. So she has to take it off. This is exciting. He knew how to build the tension. Yes, really, yes. In this dream, it's, it's all about the, the mystic side of Tatiana and of Russian girls in general, of Russian people in general. Pushkin was very superstitious, also believed in a great many things, and it brings out the best of Pushkin, this dream. As you know, I am listening to a rendition of Onyegin. What I found exciting and very interesting and surprising was that his poetry was clear in my mind. I could see the picture. So we always like prose for a story, but he chose poetry, and I thought I would have a difficult time listening or reading it. It came as a surprise. It was brilliant. It was profound. It was moving. Why did he choose a poet voice rather than a storyteller voice? He also did write prose stories in his life. He's mostly known as a poet. Uh, he had written already a narrative poem before and a few others. And I think he saw this as a kind of challenge for himself. Very interesting choice indeed. Yes. Because it is. it sounds like it's very restrictive. And of course, in, in some ways it is. He has to really think about how, how is he going to tell this story? How is he going to fit it into the schedule that he made of this Onyegin stanza? It took him eight years to write it, of course, although he did not write nonstop on this book. But I think in another way, it, it gave him a lot of freedom in the way he's telling it with himself as one of the characters, narrator, voice. He could easily switch from himself to, to Tatiana. Tatiana is the only one he also lets her speak through her dream and through her letter. And in, in the final chapter, there's also a letter from Anyagin. But it worked very well in this way. Just a testimony of the brilliance that he was. He was such a brilliant writer that he could do this. Here's the thought. Eight years. Eight long years. He revised it, nurtured it as a, a baby. It was his baby. Yes, it was his baby. He was very proud of it. He was very pleased with the end result. Yeah, as I said, he did not write it nonstop. He was also writing other things in between. But uh, yeah, it, it took a lot of time for him. So it's almost like a year per chapter. In the chapter, there are about 44 stanzas, so that you read it in half an hour. I know. You want to reread it, too. And I think that's the brilliance of Pushkin. You want to go back over it because I know I've missed something. 
Yes. Well, that's the joy. You can go back and back and find new things. Like now that I'm making this blog post, I'm finding so many new things that I didn't see before. And it's really fascinating experience. We're not going to give any spoilers, but we know that as of chapter five, which you have brought into a Russian fair and everyone go there now because it's a happening place. I never understood why Onegin was so bored with life. Well, it's a literary character type in Russian literature. And I guess Pushkin was the first one with uh, Onegin. It's called the Lishni Chilaviek. The, the the superfluous man, and uh, he is a, a man who has it all, a brilliant apartment and uh, plenty of money to go out, and he has the freedom to do whatever he wants to do, and he can get all the women that he wants to get, well, mostly they were married women in Onegin's case, but anyway, that's probably what he wanted, because that means that he didn't have to take any responsibility, <laughs> so he had it all, but still... I guess because he had it all, he could not find any pleasure in anything. That's the main flaw in the character, that they cannot find pleasure in anything. They do not really appreciate anything. They cannot enjoy the small things. It sounded like because he was so interested in his personhood and what he looked like, the idea of taking care of someone else didn't even enter his mind. It was all toward him rather than outward. Yes, very much, yes. Do you think this is a life-learning lesson that Pushkin wanted to share? I'm not sure if he meant it as a lesson. I think he meant it more as a stereotype, in a way. Ah. Uh, well, it, of course, if you read it, you can you can see that it's not a good way to live your life. You need some purpose in life, some interest, at least, and he seems to be lacking. And throughout the novel, you kind of hope that Tatiana, who is a very sensitive person, will bring this to him, that she will be able to show him true feelings or deep feelings and purpose, real love. We're not going to say how it ends, but that's, of course, the feeling that you very much get when you read this novel. Well, there's a lot going on here. And listeners, I want you to know that we're going to be talking more about Yonega because there is a lot that is involved in this story. There's a duel, there's redemption, there's depression, there is all sorts of emotional havoc that is going on. And what happens when people get together? It's never clean. It's always messy, isn't it? Something about being human is that we're not in perfect sync with everyone. And I think that Pushkin brought that out so brilliantly. Yes, I agree. It's a very human thing not to be perfect. And although certain literary characters may be a bit exaggerated, of course, that doesn't mean that we cannot identify with them. We can certainly identify with parts of both Anyagin and with parts of Tatiana, although if someone's going to ask you, you will say, well, Tatiana, of course, she's such a sweet and lovely person. <laughs> But I'm sure if we are honest, we can also see something in Anyagin that we also maybe we don't want to say hello to the neighbor and hide away quickly when <laughs> we see the neighbor. <laughs> well, you know what was interesting? You're absolutely right. Because as Pushkin gave the description of Onegin, I rather liked him. Yes. You actually like someone who looks at himself in the mirror for two hours to make sure he looks beautiful or handsome. And he is very honest with himself. He doesn't lie to himself. He's honest about who he is, and he doesn't care what other people think of that. 
which is also a very good quality in a way. For all of us to think about. For all of us to think about, yeah. Most of us probably think too much what other people think. That is a brilliant insight. You are absolutely right. We do think too highly of what other people think and not as highly of what our opinions or what we think. That's true. That was brilliantly said. So we are on chapter five. We're going to go on chapter six. People can listen in right now. The blog is there. I want to encourage people to go there. I have actually gone two and three times back to the blog post. And there's more to be told. I don't want to give it away, but any last thoughts before we head off into the sunset? What's going to get pretty exciting? As you said, there's going to be a duel. We won't tell between who or if someone will die. Tatiana gets Onyegin or not, or if he learns something from her. We shall see that in the final chapters. And there's three more to go on the blog now. And remember, three years in the making, it's worth the wait. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Elizabeth, for doing this. This is a wonderful experience for me. In fact, my husband and I are listening to it together. And there is excitement when you have another person listening in with you because it adds to the joy of the moment. And I think it is Russian soul. We have to remember that we live in a different time. We are a different culture. But somehow, Pushkin was able to expand beyond the borders of time, location, culture, society, language. Yes, absolutely. You have said that very well. It's really a shame that in the West he is not as much appreciated or well-known as he is in in Russia. And I hope that in, in a small way my blog will contribute a little bit to more people knowing about him and what a brilliant person and writer he was. Well, you certainly have inspired me. I remember thinking it was one gin. <laughs> yes, one gin, please. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Oyegin. You say it so much better. Say it again. Well, actually, it's Anyegin if you say it properly in Russian, but um, for the sake of English, we'll say Anyegin. And the next time you come around, I want you to talk about how Tchaikovsky was able to capture this story. So there's more coming. Stay tuned. Until next time, dear friends, take care, keep safe, and be well.